Christmas. It's, it's when people find themselves uh, maybe bored or restless or um, even maybe in a difficulty like depression. Uh, they, could, they would use this term, I, I'm, in, I'm stuck in the, I feel like I'm in the, in the doldrums. Um, well, here's where the term originated, right? Doldrum means uh, it's, it's, a, it's a location right, on, the, on the globe. Uh, so five degrees above north of the equator and five degrees south of the equator, there is this part of, of, um, of the globe where the, the north winds and the south winds, they actually cancel each other out. And so there's actually no wind at times. There's no wind at all. Um, so before the 20th century, sailors were, were, were told to avoid the doldrums at all costs. Because if you find yourselves in the doldrums, you get stuck without any wind, any way to move your boat. This is before motorized boats. Uh, you would be stuck and potentially you would die there. You could work all that you wanted, but you would never be able to get your boat unstuck or free from that. And so they would say avoid it at all costs because um, potentially you will die there. And so, in fact, it's known as the Intertropical Convergence Zone, the ITCZ. Uh, that's what it's known as, this, this, this zone on the globe right, right above the equator where there's no wind. In fact, there'll be high precipitation there because clouds roll in and there's no wind to push the clouds out. So it just rains and rains and rains and rains and rains. Um, ever been, anybody ever been in, in a season of life like that? It's like the rain just won't stop. I can't get unstuck. I can't get out of this moment of life, whether in business or marriage or in, in when it comes to finances, whatever, right? There's these seasons that we find ourselves in the doldrums where you're stuck. You can't get out of it. Um, maybe it's, you're bored. Maybe it's, you're, you're restless. Uh, maybe you've drifted into it. A lot of times people just, they drift because there's no purpose in life. They're kind of just wandering and they find themselves in this place in life, this season of life, where things aren't just, they're not going the way they wish they would. They're stuck. Um, sometimes by difficulty. Sometimes it's just, it's just because of no fault of our own. Just, we just find ourselves there. Um, well, I believe the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is God's answer to our greatest needs. The Holy Spirit is God's, answers to, God's answer to our greatest needs. So in life, when you find yourselves in need of something, God's answer is the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey. And I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I mean by that. Um, if, if you're in the, in the doldrums, you'll, you'll begin, sometimes the questions will be like, is, is, there, is this all there is in life? Like, there has to be more. Like, what, what is this all about? Maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions or you're stuck. You're not able to overcome maybe some kind of uh, struggle or maybe some kind of addiction or maybe you feel numb. Um, or you're just waiting. You're in a season of waiting. It kind of feels like there's just there's no life. There's no wind. I'm just stuck. Well, in any in all of us in this room, at some point, if we already haven't been there, we we sometimes find ourselves there. And I believe God is saying, I want to help you through these seasons of life. They're not always bad. Sometimes it's choices we make, but sometimes it's just, we just find ourselves there because of life happening. Billy Graham said like this when it comes to uh, the Holy Spirit. He says, Man has two great spiritual needs. One is for forgiveness. And God answered that at Calvary. That's why we celebrate the cross, right? Two great needs. One is for forgiveness, and the other is for goodness. And we believe that that's why God sent the second one. The Pente- we had Pente- celebrate Pentecost, which we're going to talk about next, next Sunday. Don't miss it. Uh, the importance of that festival and what it means when the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And, the Holy, and so the first was Calvary, the second is Pentecost. He goes on and says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is the source of power who meets our need to escape from the miserable weakness that grips us. The source of power who meets our need to escape from the miserable weakness that grips us. Have you guys ever found yourself in a moment in life where you, there's the miserable weakness of being a human, of, of, of being frail, that just grips you, right? You're stuck. You can't move forward. Well, this is, this is the Holy Spirit was given for us to break free from that, to be able to move beyond it. Um, the challenge with the Holy Spirit is we just, as, as humans, we're all about the physical. We can, what we see, what we can feel, what we can touch, that's, we get that. Like, yeah, you're here. I see you. You're here. But the problem we have is with the supernatural, the, the, the unseen. 
And, and the Bible is very clear that there, there is two realms. There is the physical and there is the spiritual. And you don't always see the spiritual. God is unseen, but he's still real. He said his kingdom is not of the earth. It's not, not something you can just physically touch, although you can feel it. Um, he says there's, there's something more to it. So, so we get God the Father, right? Father. In some cases, that works against, some cases that works against us because um, some people had had a bad experience with the Father. And so we begin to put those attributes on God thinking, well, man, the Father experience I had was no good, so God must not be any good. So sometimes there's a challenge with that, but we still get it. Okay, God the Father, that's a person, I get that. God the Son, I get that. But the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's intangible, you don't really get that. In fact, we see in the Bible, God the Father, he loves us, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only son. God the Son saves us, he willingly gave his life on that cross for us. But God the Holy Spirit is actually with me. And this is the gift that Jesus said, I'm going to give you to help you on this journey. So when you find yourselves in these seasons of the doldrums, in the seasons of life that are tough, or maybe coming up, we're starting a new season of school and changes. There's a lot of times there's changes happening this time of the year. Maybe you find yourselves in an unknown season where you really don't know what's going to happen. You're going into this unknown. Well, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us in these seasons so that we can navigate and figure out how to go forward. So I think the Holy Spirit... This is the good thing about this series. The Holy Spirit is the most practical part of God. Like, if you want to know who God is, he's saying, here's, here's the practical part of me that wants to help you on this journey. This is why you can't miss the, 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 the whole purpose of the series is because he's saying, I want to help you on this, on this journey. When you don't think you can do it, I have a solution and an answer for you to be able to push through to figure it out because I'm here to help you. I'm here to, to, to support you. Uh, he's, he's called the comforter, the helper, the counselor, the advocate. Um, so I'm going to read a scripture in Acts 19, and let me just set this up for you, right? Uh, in Acts 19, we're, we're a couple of decades in, Acts is the story of the new church, uh, the, 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 the church that just started. Uh, so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the story of Jesus and his journey with the disciples and all the miracles and the cross and the resurrection. Well, the Acts opens up with the Holy Spirit filling the church, and, and then it's the story of the early church of how they begin to spread the good news of Jesus, right? So the Gospels, the four, four books. Um, of the New Testament. The fifth book, Acts, is about how they spread that good news, how they took it everywhere. And so we pick up on Acts 19. It's a couple decades in, and it says this. Um, while Paul, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some difficult, there, there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, what? What are you talking about? No, we have no idea. We, don't, we, we didn't hear that there even was a Holy Spirit. I think this is sometimes in churches, this is the challenge. All right, we get God the Father, we get God the Son. We even come and begin to follow like these disciples. They like put their faith in Christ, but they're missing another part of God. He's saying, well, you didn't receive this part? And it's like, no, we didn't even know that existed. He's saying, well, let me, let me, let me tell you about this. And then Paul goes on to explain in Ephesus. He's writing a book to Ephesus, to, to the church. He made a great connection there, helped a lot of people find Christ. And he begins to write, write letters back to them. That's where we get the book of Ephesus. But in this journey, he's saying, you didn't even hear. And I think that's the case today still is, um, is um, a lot of people haven't experienced this part of God, the Holy Spirit. And, and my, my, my hope is this, this month will be experienced a really practical part of God um, and, and, and just say, God, I'm open to this, what you have for me. So here's the challenge when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's, there's a reason that, that he's the most misunderstood person in the Trinity is because we don't have a lot of times words to explain the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not, it's, it's unseen. It's, it's in fact, let me show you. So the Bible is written in two, primary two languages, right? Old Testament is Hebrew. New Testament is Greek. So we find this word in, in the Hebrew, ruach, 
ruach, and, and, and what it means is a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. So this is the word they use for spirit in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, ruach, okay? In Genesis 1-2, we see it right away off the, off the bat. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit shows up right there in Genesis. And it says this, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the ruach of God was hovering over the waters. So when the English interpreters get there, they're thinking, how do we interpret this word? Because we really don't have a word in English to explain this. You can't really say the, the breath of God, or you could, the breath of God was, is there. Uh, the wind of God, it just doesn't really fit. So what do we, what do we say? So they, they use the word spirit of God hovering over the waters. Um, and then in the New Testament, we have the word, it's called, the word is pneuma. And pneuma is a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Um, do I need to change my mic? You're right. Okay. Um, so it's a blast, a strong, strong breeze. Um, in, in John 6, 6 through 3, we see this. This is the word pneuma right here. Uh, Jesus says this, the words I have spoken to you are pneuma and they are life. So you can see that when the translators get there, they're trying to figure out how do we translate this word to where it makes sense to the person reading it. And this is part of the challenge we have sometimes with the Holy Spirit. So we're trying to figure out, explain this in English terms, which you don't always have English terms to explain it. And honestly, there's a part of God who says, you're not going to understand everything about me. There's, there, I, it's, a, it's a mystery. It's a relationship. Just trust me on this journey. It's gonna, we're going to go forward. Because I have words spoken to you. It's, they are spirit and they are life. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, here's, here's some things that we can kind of relate with it is, uh, first of all, it, it, the words they'll use sometimes to explain the Holy Spirit is like wind, right? We just talked about that, Numa and, and, and Ruach. So it's wind. Well, the wind is unseen, right? Anybody up early enough to feel the wind this morning? A cool breeze coming down the mountain, right? Great, great breeze. It's, it's just it's wonderful. Well, if you go outside and there's a breeze, you would gather and be like, wow, this feels really good. Like, that's nice. Well, if you come to church, you walk in the doors, and you're like, wow, it feels really nice in here, right? Like the, the spirit feels so good. People look at you kind of like crazy, like, what was in your coffee? I'm not feeling what you're feeling. We feel the wind, but we don't always feel the spirit the same way. And so sometimes in church, people, they'll have this experience, even in the service, will worship the thing going on. Like, can I just sense something? I feel something here. It's different. But because it's not felt, it's the spiritual part. It's unseen. It's, it's, it's kind of different, right? So you wouldn't say that. Or if you do, people look at me kind of different. Uh, John 4, 14, 16 through 17 says this. I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate to help you, to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you and will be, be in you. So this chapter, Jesus begins to talk about what's going to happen after he dies. He's telling his disciples, and he says, God's going to do something to help you. And he tells them, it's for your benefit that I go away. I'm like, no, that, that doesn't sound right. It would be really cool to have God next to me all the time. He said, yes. You will, but it's going to be different. It's not going to be a physical form of just me here with one person. The Spirit's going to be available to everybody. And so he begins to talk about the Spirit of God. In fact, he uses the word paraclete, which means it just means somebody that's going to come alongside you. This idea that somebody has joined you to help you on this journey. Uh, they use this word for Jesus, but they also use the word for the Holy Spirit. He's going to come alongside you. So the wind is unseen, and the wind is also unpredictable. When we look at the wind, it's unpredictable. So you don't see it, and you can't always predict where it's going to go. John 3, 8 says, Jesus says it like this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The wind, it's unpredictable. In fact, this is a part of God where he's, he's on this journey saying, just trust me. Like the Spirit, I'm going to lead you down these paths. You, just, you have to trust me on this. Uh, in fact, God spoke to people through burning bushes. If you read the, the accounts of the different ways he spoke to people, it wasn't always the same way all the time. It was different ways to different people. 
In fact, there's one story in the New Testament where Jesus, he prays for a blind man. He puts his hand on this blind man, and the, the man's eyes are open. He can see. Well, a certain man saw him, and he brings his friend who's also blind to Jesus. And he says, okay, Jesus, um, I saw you heal the other blind man. You, put your hand, you laid your hand on him. Do that hand thing on him. And Jesus, you know what he does? He spits in the man's eyes and says, receive sight. So just imagine this guy, right? He's like, okay, Jesus is pretty cool. He healed that blind guy. My friend is blind. So uh, come here. Jesus can heal you. And Jesus, he's like, hey, Jesus, do that hand thing that you did last time. And Jesus doesn't do the hand thing. He's like spits and puts the spit in his eyes. The guy's like, uh, gross, right? I brought my friend to you and you're not doing what I want you to do. This is not right. This is not how it works. Like you're not doing it my way. And I think a part of God is the reason he doesn't do that because he doesn't want us to worship the system. He doesn't want to worship the thing that, we're, that, that sometimes we begin, and this is how whole churches and even religions are built sometimes around one experience somebody had, and they, they assume that everybody has to have that same thing. And sometimes God says, no, I'm going to do it different ways. All right, you wanted the hand thing, but it's not the hand thing. It's a God thing. So I'm going to do spit to show you it's not the hand thing. And if you get talked to by a burning bush, that's awesome, but there's a good chance there might not be a burning bush in your, in your hey, he used, he used a, a bright light to blind Saul, right, and throw him off the horse. He might use a blind, bright light to talk to you. I don't know. Sometimes it's just a small, gentle whisper like he did to Isaiah. And, and he's just saying just, just, it's, good. it's not going to be the same way all the time because I don't want you to worship the thing. I want you to worship the person that, ha- that has the thing. And in church, the danger we have is we come, we sing songs, we go through the motions, read the Bible, we pray, and we're like, all right, this is all great. I did all the things I was supposed to. But we missed the whole relationship. It'd be like me coming home from, uh, from work, and I'm, I come home, and I, I buy some flowers for sincerity, and I, I say, hey, sincerity, I brought you some flowers. She's so happy, like, oh, you thought about me? It's so awesome. Well, no, I'm supposed to do that. I'm your husband. I'm like, well, I just kind of kill the mood, you know? <laughs> no, no, I have to. Like, I'm forced to buy you flowers, right? It's not really, I didn't really want to, but they were on sale, like 80% off. <laughs> Here you go, love, right? But I did the right thing. She'd be like, you're missing the point. It's not about the thing. It's about the person. The reason I buy flowers is not because the flowers are special. It's because the person is special. And throughout God, he's saying, don't miss, don't miss me for all the things going on. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us not to do that. He, he's saying, I want, I want to show you on this. It's unpredictable. Just trust me on this journey. Another thing about wind is the wind is powerful. We see this now coming up in, in August, September. We'll see the hurricanes coming up, uh, the different tropical storms coming up, and sometimes tornadoes. We see wind can be very powerful. Well, the, power, the, the, the Spirit of God is also powerful. He created everything, but there's also power in him. In fact, Jesus says, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's saying, go and wait. After he leaves, he's telling his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper. He's going to empower you to do something amazing. When it comes upon you, you're going to be able to accomplish a lot of things. Another thing about the wind is it's also refreshing. Um, if you've ever been on a hot day and, and a cool wind blows, uh, it's re- very refreshing. Uh, yesterday we were riding our bikes and it was super hot um, and, and there's no wind and you feel the heat and you feel the energy and you, you're just you're getting tired. And then as soon as you come up a little hill or something, that wind blows, it's like, oh, that feels so good. In life, when you have those seasons where you're just working and struggling, going hard, the, the wind of God is very refreshing. It comes through and it helps us. First Corinthians 2, 9 through 10, no eyes are seen, no ear is heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So he's saying there's something great. What I have for you is going to be refreshing. It's going to help you on this journey. 
Uh, there's a man that came to our church a few months back, and he, and he waited after service, talked to me. And he said, he said, I just want to thank you. That service was so good. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. I got a lot out of it. He says, you know, it was like a breath of fresh air. Today, be here today was like a breath of fresh air. Just get that. Imagine that, right? He's in this room, and he feels like he breathed in some air that was fresh and just revived and gave life. And then he went on to say, at my church, where I'm from, it's not like that. Like, you have to sit for hours, and, and there's these certain things, and, man, it's horrible. And I'm like, well, I'm really sorry. It sounds like your church is a lot of fun. And, uh, and, um, and he just was said it's a struggle. And sometimes our mentality is, like, the worse, the worse it is, the more spiritual we are, the things that we're doing, the harder. But it's not like that. God has to say, no, I'm a life-giving God. It's a breath of fresh air to fill you up. And the difference between the two experiences he had is that, one, it's the things he's trying to do. Or in ours, we're saying it's not about the things. It's about the person who died on that cross for us. It's, it's his spirit that's helping us on this journey. He has more for us. So this is my, my I would say this. Uh, take a deep breath of God. He's, he's, the, he's the breath of life. He's the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. He's saying, breathe deep on a daily basis. Don't just breathe the air, physical air, but breathe, breathe what God has for you, everything there. In fact, Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. He's saying God has given us this gift that is so good for us if we will just trust him. So here's, my, here's what I would say when it comes to the Holy Spirit. One, let go of fear and misperceptions because that happens. That bleeds in. If you have any kind of church background, there might, you might have some baggage that comes with that when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You start thinking, okay, that could be attached to some crazy people. Um, and uh, we don't want to be those people, so I'm just going to avoid it at all costs. Um, and that's what, we don't want to be that kind of church. We're saying we want, we want everything God has for us. We want to be spiritual but not weird. We want to be spiritual but not spooky. We want, we want God to do what he wants to do. Uh, so let go of fears and misperceptions. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Second thing, go all in. Uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God tells us through the prophet Jeremiah. Go all in. If you want to know God, he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And the third thing is this. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with all of you. Catch that? The grace of Jesus Christ, the Son, the extravagant love of God, the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with all of you. He wants to be an intimate friend that helps you on this journey. You know, I'm, when I'm cycling, uh, Robert Bradford's in town. If you don't know Robert, he uh, uh, helped. He was one of the founding. His family is one of the founding launch team members, and he was one of the teaching pastors for a while. And moved to Texas, and he does bike flight with us every year. In fact, uh, that list, he raises all, a lot of money a lot for our whole team. He does an incredible job riding. But when when we ride together, there's something about being with with Robert. There's an encouragement. And then I have another friend, Jared, who's a strong cyclist. And when I'm tired, um, I get behind him and I just draft, which means I'm just like just on his wheel and he's going fast and I'm not having to go so fast because I'm just kind of trying to keep up with him and right, I'm right, right in that draft, the wind. And it's so refreshing to be with people that help you on this journey. That's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I come alongside you and I help you on this journey to help you to succeed, to help you with this. So we have God the Father, the Father who loves me. We have God the Son who saves me and we have God the Holy Spirit who is with me. He's, he's the part of God, the friendship of God saying, I want to be on this journey with you. It's a daily thing that I want to help you on this journey. I want to be there. So in the beginning of the service, I talked about the doldrums, right? Some people have drifted there unintentionally, maybe without purpose, because they don't really know what life's about, and they just find themselves there. 
Others have been pushed there by difficulties. They just find themselves stuck there. Some are just, you might be tired in the doldrums trying to get out because you're working and working and working and things working. You're just, you're just there. You know, when we look at the disciples, when we look at the story of the Bible and Jesus, it makes it very clear that the people he chose were just ordinary people. The disciples that he chose, the 12 disciples, he said he, he chose them, but they were just ordinary men. There was nothing special about them. And he wanted to do this because he didn't want us to confuse uh, the person and their giftings and how awesome they were with, with the, what they did with their life. But he said, I'm going to use these ordinary people, these ordinary fishermen, these ordinary uh, working, working class people to, to do something amazing. And he had, a, he had a wide range of people he used, business and, and fishermen and um, just different kinds of tax collectors, people they despised. And he chose these guys, just ordinary guys, and he said, I'm going to do something amazing with your life. But it's not going to be because of you. It's because of the gifts that I give you to be able to use to make an impact. And it says this about the disciples, that they turned their world upside down. Why? Because they were special? No. Because they got a powerful God to help them on the journey. And the reason they made a difference is because they followed Jesus and said, all right, you're going to send me a helper. I want everything you have for me in this life. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive what you have for me. And they began to follow his lead, and God used him over and over and over. So in life, when you find yourself in situations, God is saying, it's kind of like we're this boat just kind of drifting, right? And he's just saying, do me a favor. Would you just put the sail up? Trust me on this journey. I'm going to send the breath of God, that wind, that ruha, that pneuma, and I'm going to blow your sail so you can be directed. But you have to put the sail up. Like it's a, a choice you have to make to say, I don't want to be in the doldrums. I want to get out of this. When it comes to marriage, God knows how you can be the best spouse to your spouse. When it comes to parenting, God knows how you can be the best parent to your kids. When it comes to finances, God knows everything around the corner, how you should organize stuff. See, God's not limited by time, so he knows what's coming ahead, and he wants to help us on this journey, just like he helped the disciples. I want, I want to use you to make an impact on this world. I want to use you to make a difference in this world if you'll just trust me. If you're a student, God knows how you can be the best student. If you're a business owner or, you, or your company, God knows how to help you become that. And what he says is, just trust me. Would you open your sail and let me begin to lead you on this journey? And he'll say, like, okay, this, this path here, man, is bright, and there's a lot, of, a lot of screaming and fancy things going on. But if you go down that path in three years, you're going to be miserable because he knows you. And he's saying, avoid that path. Let's go this way. Yeah, it looks a little harder. It looks a little different, but just trust me. This is going to be a unique path for you that I'm going to lead you on, and you're going to see in five, six, seven, ten years, you'll have more joy, more peace. You'll have a greater impact on this world if you'll just – Trust me. But the choice is ours. Kind of like the wind's blowing, put the sail up. Or you don't want to go that way, you put the sail down, do your own thing. Let me, let me share something personal. Well, let me say this. One more thing, and I'm going to share something personal. Um, this is what I know about God and what I know about life. When something is happening to you, God is always wanting to do something in you. Whenever something happens to you, whatever this week, you get... I don't know, a ticket, all right? You get a ticket, a speeding ticket, and you're on the side of the road, and something just happened, and you're mad or whatever. In that moment, God wants to do something in you. He wants to teach you something. If you're stuck in, in finances and you're in the middle of that, God is he's wanting to do something in you. So we look on the external, we begin to think about all this, and in the middle of that, God is saying, no, no, there's something inside that we need to fix. There's something we need to work out that's deep inside. It's not the outside. It's not the, what you wear. It's not how you look. It's, it's something that's driving that. And religion will say, let's look at the outside, just put on a happy face, pretend everything's good, 
hey, sorry, don't, don't, don't let it be know that there's challenges in parenting. Don't let it be know there's challenges in finances or marriage. Just, just put on a happy face. Religion will tell you, just make it look good. You've got to say, no, that's not where it starts. It doesn't start on the outside. It starts on the inside. And whenever something is happening to us, God is saying, I want to do something in you. Um, one of our team members, she just found out she's going to be a teacher. <laughs> like, she's just doing teaching, but they pushed her up. So she's supposed to teach next year. And they said, no, we need you now. So you start tomorrow. And so she has a couple of days to prepare, right? Well, let me tell you, that's something happening to her. But in the middle of that, God is saying, I want to do something in you in this moment. Like, you can be the most incredible teacher if you will just let me lead you. I know what your students will need. I know what you'll need to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Just let me lead you. So whenever something's happening, I promise God has always wanted to do something inside. And if we'll take a time to just say, okay, let me pause. God, what is this all about? All right, we just fought. Me and my, my spouse just fought. What is this really about? And sometimes God's going to say, um, you yelled or idiot, right? I'm like, okay, it was my fault. Or sometimes God will say, why, are you letting anger get, why, why do you let anger rise up so quickly? Like, she didn't even mean that, right? Like, you're right. That was like me. That was emotion. That was something else. And if we'll pause and say, God, help me in his moments, he shows up and he helps. I promise. That's God. There's the Holy Spirit coming alongside us. But it's our choice. All right, so, so let me be a little personal. All right? Uh, growing up in church, um, I had this, I, I had, um, I always had a, a sensitivity to God, I guess, the spiritual part of this, of life. I just embraced and said, okay, there's a physical part, there's a spiritual part. I get that. There's this battle that's kind of between the two, and how do I figure this out? And at a very young age, I said, God, um, I want to trust you with my life, and I need, I need all, your, all the help you have. And I read a story about Solomon asking for God's help. Solomon was a young king, and, and God says, um, I'll grant you one thing. What is it you want? And Solomon prays for wisdom. He says, God, I'm a young king. I don't know how to lead my people, so help me have wisdom to lead my people. And God answers a prayer, says, I'm going to give you wisdom to do incredible things. And since you didn't have the other right motives, you didn't ask for all this other stuff, I'm going to bless you with other stuff too. Well, I read this story when I was very young, and I, and I remember reading the story, and I said, well, if that worked for Solomon, can it work for me? And about age 11 or 12, I said this prayer. I said, God, I want wisdom. Like Solomon, you gave Solomon wisdom. I want wisdom. I want everything you have. So the Bible says that if we lack wisdom, we, we ask of God. Well, the Holy Spirit is wisdom. That's, that's part of God. The Holy Spirit created everything. God, God created everything we see. He knows everything. And so I said, God, I want this. And there was this moment in my life where I began to experience more of God. And I saw things a little differently than my friends saw things. But I said, God, I, I want this. And, and on these certain moments in my life, there was a, a options in front of me. And I would sense God say, no, that's not a good option. Don't do it. And whenever I would listen to him, he would save me a ton of problems and heartache. Because he knew, like, that's not going to be good for you, Eric. That will only lead to addiction and struggles or whatever else. But here's a better path. Let's go this path. And he, he would give me these options. And the moments in my life that I regret are the moments where I said, no, I think I'm going to leave my sail down, and I'm going to just try it on my own. And then at some point, I'd be like, okay, this is not working, right? Just kind of wandering in the, the little doldrum. Like, this is not good. Like, okay, what happened here, God? Well, you did it on your own. And then I had this moment where like, okay, God, forgive me. I want, I want your way. Okay, put up the sail. Let's go this way. And you lead me. And every moment in my life that I regret is because of this, putting down the sail and not letting God lead. And every moment that I do, that I look back and I say, thank you so much, God, is the moments I said, I'm going to lift the sail. That way looks a lot more fun, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go this way. Maybe it's a little harder. And because, of the, because the choices I had, I said, God, I want to follow you. And I think I just said yes to God a little more than maybe, maybe friends have or whatever. But my path has been a great path. Not easy, but it's been great. But it's because I've always said, God, I want everything you have for me. 
If it's in the Bible, it's not going to shock me or surprise me. The miracles you did, I mean, there's some crazy stories in the Bible of how God did things in people's lives. And I say, God, if, if you can do it there, I think you can still do it now. I want to just trust you on this journey. Help me. And it was just because I said, God, I'm going to lift my sail. You're the breath of fresh air. You're the breath of God. You're going to blow it. You're going to lead me on this journey. And whenever I say yes to God and he leads me, on it has to be a day by day. Paul says we have to stay in step with the spirit. He comes alongside and he's on this journey. But he doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to do anything. He just says, I have these things. So next few weeks, we're going to talk more about this, what it means. Next week, we're going to talk about Pentecost and the different celebrations and where we get the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. And then a few weeks, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and then different baptisms in the, few, in, the, in the last week of the series. Just do me a favor. Just would you say, God, I want to be open. Here's my challenge. Be open. This week, would you just be open? What I mean by that is you would say, I'm going to lift my sail, and God, I'm going to ask for your help to direct me this week. So this, the good news is you've already started your week off by doing this, right? This is what we do on Sunday mornings. The reason we come on Sunday mornings is because we're saying, God, we want our week to start off with you. So essentially, we're saying, God, we lift our sails for August the 5th. The week of August the 5th, God, and we want you to blow your wind and, and sail us on. And that's great. But the problem is when we leave this door, some people say, that was good for a while. Put that thing down. And then our sails no longer fill with air, and we're kind of just going around. And God is saying, would you leave your sail up? And on Monday, would you come to me and say, God, how can I trust you? What am I do here? Lift the sail. I'll help you on this journey. But the choice is yours. Doldrums? Or a spirit-filled life that God is saying, I want to fill you. I want to help you on this journey if you'll just be open to everything I have. So no matter where you find yourself, God is saying, would you trust me on this journey? Uh, today, I want to give an opportunity. So we talked about the two great needs that we have, right? A need for, for a Savior, a need for, for salvation, a need for that forgiveness because we've broken his, his commands, and then a need for goodness. Goodness is God leading us on this journey. But the first step before the goodness comes us saying, God, we need, we need a relationship with you. And the reason God sent Jesus, his son, to die on that cross is so we can have a personal relationship with him. That's to start there. That's always the first step of saying, God, you're God and I'm not. And the next step, which we're going to celebrate in a few hours, in about an hour and a half, is that water baptism. That's us saying, I want everybody else to know that I'm following Christ. So salvation is saying, this is between me and God. God, I want to make you Lord in my life. I want you to be God and I'll follow your lead. And baptism is saying, oh, I, I want everybody else to know that, I, that I'm following Christ. And there's other steps after this. The next step would be saying, God, I want you to lead the way. So if you're not on the first step yet, I would say let's start here. So some people in this room, maybe you've come and your life is in the doldrums. And really the, the, the starting point is not saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. That's going to take a little that, – that's going to – you need to do that at some point. But the first step is saying, God, I am I'm so far away from you that I just need to take a step towards you. Like, I don't want to live my life the way everybody else lives it because I don't want the results everybody else is getting. I want different results. And God says, well, that's why I sent Jesus on the cross. Would you trust me? And so today you might be here and you've never taken that step of faith of saying, God, I, I, I want you to be God in my life. And I want to give you an opportunity. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head, everybody here in this room? If that's you and you're here today and you would say, that's me, I need God in my life. And I, I want a new start. I want a new direction for my life. Now I want to invite him in my life. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right there in your chair. But if that's you, would you do me a favor? Just lift up your hand so I can see it. Awesome. Awesome. I see some hands going up. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hands. God, I need your help. The first step. Bible, the Bible calls it repentance. It's like you're driving down the wrong way. You're going the wrong direction on the road. 
Repentance is doing a U-turn and going the right direction. That's what, that's what this step is about, saying, God, I've been going the wrong direction today. I'm going to go the right direction. I'm going to turn back to you. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Uh, if you're a Christ follower in this room, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? But just join me in this prayer. Say, today, say, say, Father God, I invite you into my life. I want you to be God in my life. Forgive me of my sins, of my past. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for me. Today, I open my life and receive you. Help me. Give me a new start. I believe you're alive today. You have more for me. So I open myself up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that raised their hand and pray that prayer? God, thank you so much.